Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au jump straight into the word. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Job. Amen. Job chapter 1. Let's take it from verse 6. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? From roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth in it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one on earth like him. He's blameless, upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You've blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. And so, Father, we just thank you that you're here, you're present. You want to you you say something to all of us today. That this is not just a word I came up with. This is a word that you want to speak into our lives, a revelation that you want each of us to have. That's going to change how we live and that's going to change our eternal destiny. And so, Lord, speak by the Holy Spirit. We, um, we sit at your feet this morning with hearts that are open, minds that are open, with hands reaching out to you saying, speak by the Holy Spirit, I pray. Let there be nothing in me that hinders the delivery of this word. Forgive me of my sins. Speak by the Holy Spirit. Let our hearts be open to receive from you today, Lord God. I thank you for what you're going to do. I thank you that there will be a spirit of wisdom and revelation. And I thank you, Father God, that you're going to speak. Bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. Be free this day, we pray, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We're in a series entitled Building a Spiritual Hedge, and the thought for this series comes out of the story of Job. Job was a well-respected man in chapter 1. We notice that God comes to Satan and he says, Have you considered Job? Have you thought about troubling Job, in your roaming throughout the earth, going to and fro, have you thought about troubling Job? What's interesting is Satan's response. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You've blessed the work of his hands and his flocks and everything that he has. When the Bible speaks about a hedge, it's speaking about a wall, a fence, a barrier. Satan says, you've put a barrier around him, a wall, and because of that, I can't get to him. There's a a hedge around him, and because there's a hedge around him, I I can't get to him. I would like to get to him, but I can't because, because you've put a wall around him. How many of us would like that for our lives? Come on, church. How many of us would like a wall, a barrier that God puts around our own lives that would protect us? Frank Damasio says, A hedge is used in Scripture to illustrate God's divine strategic protection around his people against all the weapons of the enemy. 
My prayer is that we would get a revelation of this. My prayer is we, as, we, as we dive into this scripture that we would understand this thought. It's a, it's, it's a metaphor uh, that, that's used in scripture. It's a hedge. Other times in scripture talks about a foundation. But there's similar concepts. I pray that we would get an understanding of, of the power of a hedge, a spiritual hedge around our lives. Not only does it protect us from harm, but the hedge allows us to flourish. It allows what's inside of the hedge to flourish. Notice the verse mentions three specific hedges. Have you not put a hedge around him? That's the personal hedge. And his household, that's the family hedge. And everything he has, that's the possessions hedge. So over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about building those three specific hedges in our life. How do we build these hedges in our lives? Today, what I want to do is look at building the first of the three hedges. It's the personal hedge. The enemy says, the reason why I can't get to him is because you've put a wall around him. You put a wall around his life, around his mind, around his heart, around his being, and I just can't get to him. Hebrew word there, around means you've encircled him so that there are no gaps in his life. I kind of like the imagery there. I like the imagery of Satan. You know, um, uh, he's, he's kind of uh, prowling around. Julio spoke about this in the Italian service. And, he, and he's kind of encircling our lives. He, he's kind of walking around, walking around. He's trying to look for a gap to get in. But, but the Bible says that, that he says, you've encircled him. You've encircled him so that there are no gaps at all. I'm looking for a way to get in. I'm looking for, for, for a way to get in and to be able to attack his life. I can't find find anything. I want us to believe that we serve a God that can and wants to build a hedge around our lives. He wants to protect us, guard us, encircle us, not just so that we're protected, but so that we can flourish and be everything that God has called us to be by His grace and for His glory. Question is then, how do we build a personal hedge? So I've got a few thoughts I want to share with you, and let's dive into the Word. First thing we need to do is understand that a personal hedge is personally cultivated. Personal hedge is personally cultivated. Let me say from the outset, the only way that we can have a personal hedge is by the grace of God. Can I hear an amen? It's the grace of God. It's God that builds the hedge. It's God that protects us. It's God that fights for us, and that is the truth. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders build in vain. Unless the Lord protects the house, they're protecting in vain. They can stand guard, but unless God protects us, we're we're, we're done. It's by the grace of God. And that's the truth. But what is also true is that we're not passive observers in the building process. We don't just sit in a chair and say, all right, Lord, it's all up to you and do nothing. We are active participants. In other words, if we're going to have a strong personal hedge, there are some things we need to do. We work in partnership with God. It's God who always takes the lead. But we have to respond in some way to to, to the lead that God has in our lives. It's like growing a plant. We can't make a plant grow. But what we can do is plant the seed, fertilize the soil, water the plant, kill the insects. And as we do our part, God does his part. You know, uh, 
we want to grow plants, whatever it is, we, we physically cannot grow that plant. You take a seed. You, 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 you look at that seed and in that seed is all the potential to bring fruit and to flourish. And some seeds are tiny, but they have the potential to become this massive oak tree. It starts from a seed. It's, all the potential is in it, but we can't get that potential out of there ourselves. We can't do that. Only God can bring that potential out of that seed. But in order for that potential to come out, there are just some very basic things that need to, be, need to happen. It needs to be planted, fertilized the soil, water the plant, kill the insects. Pretty simple, really. And that's true in the natural, and that's also true in the spiritual. It's a natural principle. It's a spiritual principle. God gives us a bag of seed, and he says, listen, these seeds have the potential to grow into a hedge. You want to build a hedge around you? What God gives us is a, is, a, is a packet of seeds. And he said, these seeds can grow into a hedge. A hedge that's going to protect you from harm. A hedge that's going to help you to flourish. But what we need to do is nurture the seed. We can't just sit in a chair and the farmer doesn't sit, just sit in the chair and go, well, I'm believing for a big harvest and does nothing. Farmer gets out there. He does what he can do and God does the rest. So we plant the seed in good soil, we water the seed, fertilize the soil, kill the bugs. And if we do, a spiritual hedge will grow that will protect us from harm, allow us to flourish. Paul says to the Philippians, continue to work out your salvation. It doesn't say continue to work for your salvation because it can be easily confused. You see, those very disciplines that can help us to grow can also become the very disciplines that we think, well, if I do more of this, then, then God is going to be more impressed with me. That's absolutely not true. That's what religion says. That's not Christianity. We don't read our Bible so that God would love us more. We, we know that God loves us, and because he loves us, we read our Bible. It's a, it's a, it's a completely different concept. And it says here, Paul says to the Philippians, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So which is it? Do I work it out or does God do it? Do I do it or does God do it? Reality is it's both. Continue to work out is an, is an exercise term. We go to the gym, we work out, we lift the weights, but we can't make the muscle grow. Only God can. Amen? Can I hear an Amen. Used to go to the gym, but I don't have to anymore. I just I look at myself and say, Joe, you're amazing. Um, it's not that funny. As we work out, God, God makes the we can't make the muscle grow. Only God can do that. It's as we work out, as we do what we can do, God does what He does. It's a, it's a basic principle in the natural, and it's true in the spiritual as well. Paul says, continue to work out. Because as you do, and I like it, it says, with fear and trembling. In other words, this is serious. <laughs> this is not just something you skim over. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Because it's God that does a work in you. 
It's willing to act according to his good pleasure. So if we're going to grow a spiritual hedge, it needs to be personally cultivated. It will take effort. There are certain things that we need to do. We need to be intentional about growing the hedge. It's not just going to grow by itself. There are things that we need to do. We need to be active participants in this understanding that it's only by the grace of God. Secondly, the personal hedge is built by activating spiritual disciplines. The growing of a normal hedge is pretty simple. It doesn't take a science degree. Soil, water, fertilizer. It's about it. It's pretty simple. I'm still surprised that our people like me can mess it up. <laughs> Building a spiritual hedge is not complicated. It's built by activating simple, basic, doable spiritual disciplines. What are they? You know these. It's the discipline of prayer. Prayer is the language we use to develop our relationship with God, our closeness with God. Often when people think about prayer, they think about reciting prayers. You know, religious people think about reciting prayers. And If, 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 you, if your picture of God is that he's a religious God, he's a, he's a you know, he's in a he's, he's big beard and and, uh, you know, he's got this, I don't know, gown or whatever. He's up there. He's this religious God, upset all the time. And so you think, oh, man, if, if, if uh, what impresses God is I've got to pray. I've got to pray lots. Because the more I pray, the more he's impressed. So if I just recite some prayers and I just repeat them again and again and again. And, you know, like God has got a timer in heaven and he's watching us and he's going, well, how long did you pray for today? One hour, mate. You're good. It's going to be a good day today. If, if that's your concept of prayer, and if that's your concept of God, don't bother praying. Don't, don't even bother praying. Don't even, don't even worry about it. It's not going to help you at all. When we understand that prayer is the language we use to develop our relationship with God, when, when we understand that prayer is the language of intimacy, it changes everything. It's suddenly not boring. It's something we love to do. God says, come to me and I'll tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. When you get an understanding that prayer is the language of intimacy, that, that prayer is the language of relationship, it changes our whole attitude towards prayer. I want to pray. God's, it's an invitation. Draw near to me. I'm going to draw near to you. It's God saying to us, come to me. I've got some stuff I want to tell you that's going to blow your mind away. When you understand it that way, you can't wait to get to speak to God. You can't wait to talk to God. You can't wait to get in a, I've got to find five minutes. I've just got to talk to God. Prayer is the language of intimacy. When you get a revelation of that, you can't wait to talk to God. As you know, I recently had surgery on my vocal cords. And I couldn't speak for a few days. Couldn't speak to Lana, couldn't speak to the kids. And, and, and it's really interesting because, you know, I was already for it, whiteboard. I've got this all covered. And it's just, it's just very interesting because, like, it's just three days. And then, you know, I could start speaking a little bit. But just three days of nothing. And what I found over those three days, it's like something began to, to shut down inside of me. I can't explain it, but it just felt that way. And we're talking with Lana, and she's talking with me, and I'm kind of right. And, it, and she's saying, this is awful, this is terrible. It's terrible. 
think behind me she was saying, it's amazing, it's great, he can't talk. <laughs> she wasn't saying that at all. Uh, we're talking at the dinner table and everyone's talking and I can't talk. And so <laughs> they're making faces at me and everything, but I can't talk. Um, and it's just funny because after a while, I just switch off. I can't communicate. I'm not present here. There's no point. I can't add any value to this. And I just, I don't, I'm there at the table, but I'm drifting away. It's like something started to change in me. Now, thankfully, we're Italian, and I could still use sign language. <laughs> communicate. I can still get the message across. We're trained that way as Italians. Communication is so important to human relationships. The more we talk, the closer we get. That's a marriage principle. Teach all couples that are about to get married. I say the goal of marriage is, is, is intimacy. It's for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and the two shall become one. It's two people becoming one person. It's becoming best friends. It's intimacy. That's the purpose. That's the goal of marriage. How do we get there? We talk to each other. We talk. The deeper the, the, the talking, the more we talk, uh, the, more, the more vulnerable it is, the deeper the intimacy, the closer we get to each other. It's true in human relationships. It's true with our relationship with God as well. The more we talk to Him, the closer we get to Him. Prayer is the language we use to communicate with God. People often ask, what's the purpose of life? Primary purpose in all of our lives is to know God. It's to know God. Moses said, if you please with me, teach me your way so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. This is Moses speaking who had seen God do incredible miracles. He had seen the power of God manifest in his life. I love the spirit of this verse. I'm working on a message series to come out of this one verse, but, but it's just packed with, with truths. It's Moses' heart who says, God, teach me your way so that I may know you. Moses was obsessed with knowing God. He was obsessed with wanting to know him. I want to know God. Teach me your way. You teach me, God, how I can know you. Teach me your ways because I, I want to get closer to you. Paul says in, in, uh, in the New Testament, he says, I want to know Christ. Now, that, that, that scripture ought to blow your mind away because Paul had been to the third heaven. I don't know how many heavens there are, but he'd been to, I think, the third one or the fourth one, whatever it was. And he'd, he'd seen incredible miracles, seen God manifest, you know, in, in incredible ways. And yet he says, he's at the end of his life, and yet he says, I want to know Christ. He's obsessed with knowing him. One of the ways we develop a strong personal hedge is with prayer. Not only praying in our normal language, but also praying in the Spirit. Are we still a Pentecostal church here? I think we are. The Bible says a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened. He who speaks in tongues edifies himself, builds himself up. Something that is weak is strengthened as we pray in the heavenly language. Personal hedge is built by activating spiritual disciplines. One of those is prayer. Can I challenge you? In a day, in a week, find some time to talk to God. Second of the disciplines is reading and studying the Word. Some people say, if only, I, if only God would speak to me. Well, one of the ways He does is through His Word. The Bible says all Scripture is God-breathed, has the breath of God, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. 
Man, that's a powerful verse. Pastor Joe, I want to know how to build a hedge. I want to know how to build a spiritual hedge. I love what you've been talking about. I just love everything that you're saying. I, I, I want to know how to build a spiritual hedge. Well, here's one way. Read the word. All scripture, not parts of scripture, but all of it, is God-breathed and is useful for teaching. It teaches me how to build a hedge. It rebukes me. How many people love it when the word of God rebukes you? Amen. It's powerful. It's wonderful. Correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Word of God is key to building a personal hedge. Did you know the average person spends about 16 seconds in the Bible every day? 16 seconds. I love that this church is different. Come on, can I hear an amen? I love that this church is different. You know, we have over 70 people gathering on a Tuesday night to study basic theology. Come on, church. Come on, that's pretty amazing. 70 people gathering together on a Tuesday night who want to... No, don't give me the, don't give me the, 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 the froth and bubble. I, I, I want the heavy-duty stuff. That's powerful. God said to Joshua, keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it every day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Here's the key to prosperity and success. It's the word of God. Confess the word of God. Find some scriptures and begin to confess them in the name of Jesus. Meditate on them. That means think about them. And then do what it says. Just because you read it means nothing. Just because you heard it means nothing. It's in the doing that the power of the word of God is released. Psalm says, blessed is the one who doesn't walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on it day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, there's, there's the prospers. There's the theme again. How, how, how can I prosper? How, how, how can I do well? It's easy. Love the, love the word of God. It's be careful who you spend time with, says the psalmist. Be careful who you talk to. Be careful who you walk with because if you walk with them, pretty, pretty soon you're going to start standing with them and then you're going to sit with them. It's going to affect how you think, how you speak. Instead, love the word of God. Personal hedge is built by loving the word of God. Third of the disciplines for growing a hedge is by loving the house of God. It's nothing new. I'm not saying anything new yet. Psalm says the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. What a powerful scripture. Man, if there's a scripture that is important for the church to understand today, it's this scripture here. More than ever, we need to be planted in the house of God. More than ever, in the times that we're living in today, where everything is so uncertain and, and everything that we believe as Christians is being challenged, I tell you, the safest place we can be is in the house of God. Among the people of God. Notice it says planted in the house of God, it doesn't say attending the house of God. Planted it means. 
How do we get planted in the house of God? It means we get involved. It means we join a life group. It means, it means, listen carefully, it means we submit to the house of God. We recognize what it represents in my life and we, we choose to, to submit to the house of God. Not very popular today. Yeah, but Pastor Joe, I, you know, you're a nice guy, but I don't really like you. <laughs> it's not nice to say that on Sunday morning. My, 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 my suggestion to everyone, this is not a perfect church. We are not a perfect church. Amen? Can I hear it? Goodness sake. We're not a perfect church. We're not. We are not. And, and you may say, oh, Pastor Joe, I just, just, I just don't like things here. Um, that's great. That's fine. Find a church that you do like and plant yourself in that house. Because it's only in being planted that you can flourish in the courts of our God. And the enemy is going to start to, start, to, start to speak into you and say, well, this church is no good and that church is no good and the other church is no good because what the enemy wants to do is, is, is disconnect you from the house of God because the enemy knows how powerful it is when you connect yourself, when you plant yourself in the house of God. Oh, Pastor Joe, I just want to hedge around me. Well, it's very simple. Plant yourself in the house of God. It's a powerful principle. You know, I, I've grown up in this church. I'm, I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but I've grown up in this church many years. Seen a few pastors come and a few pastors go. Did I always agree with every pastor? Didn't always agree with every pastor. Did I like everything they said? Um, but I, I just learned a long, long time ago. It was, it was one of those values that was passed on. It was never taught, but it was passed on. We value the house of God. We respect the house of God. May not agree with everything, may not like everything, but we understand the value of being planted in the house of God, and therefore we shall. Now, that doesn't mean it's blind uh, leading. If, if I'm preaching, you know, a wrong doctrine, then hey, by all means. You need to stand up to that in the name of Jesus. If we're, doing, if we're doing something that the Bible does not agree with, then we need, to, we need to deal with that. But even that is done with fear and trembling because we understand what we're talking about here. This is not just a human being. This is something that God has ordained. It's sacred. It's the house of God. We don't just talk lightly about the house of God because it's His church. Those of us that serve you, we didn't choose this. We chose it, but, we're, but there's a sense where God has, God has said, this is what I want you to do. There's a, there's a sacredness about the house of God. And, and, as, and as we're planted in here, we start to flourish. Our lives flourish. Our marriages flourish. Our families flourish. We start to become everything that God has called us to be. The hedge is built. We're protected from harm. And we start to become everything that God has called us to be. Can I encourage you? Be planted in the house of God. Pastor Joe, how do we build a strong hedge? First, you need to be intentional about it. Second, we build it by activating spiritual disciplines like prayer, the word, coming to church. I wish it was harder. It's not that hard. It's pretty simple. Plant the seed, water it, fertilize it, and the plant will grow. And the power is in doing them consistently. 
I watch my 90-year-old dad cultivate the garden. Every day he's out there doing something, weeding, fer watering, fertilising, and he's always got an abundance of veggies and fruit, which is very, very handy in this season. Please do not visit my dad because he's more likely to give you some. So please do not visit him. Growing of a normal hedge is pretty simple. And the growing of a spiritual hedge is pretty simple too. Just need to be diligent and consistent in doing the base. Every time we spend time with God, something changes in our lives. Every time we read the word, our thinking changes. Every time we come to church, something shifts. Something shifts. And I wish it was more complicated, but it's pretty simple. James Clear says, making a choice that is 1% better or 1% worse seems insignificant in the moment, but over the span of moments that make up a lifetime, those choices determine the difference between who you are and who you could be. Success is the product of small daily habits, not once in a lifetime transformation. If you want to see where you're going to end up in 20 years, look at your habits today. It's the habits that we develop in our lives that, that we do every day that in turn determine our destiny. Thirdly, a personal hedge is built by cultivating godly character. Notice how Job is described in the first, the first verse. This man was blameless, upright, feared God and shunned evil. Do you, know, do you want to know what a person looks like who has a strong personal hedge? Just look at Job. Do you, know, do you want to know what a person looks like who's got an incredibly strong hedge around him? Just look at the life of Job. Blameless, upright, feared God, shunned evil. I started looking at the qualities of Job. I got up to 17, 17 different qualities in the life of Job. And notice he says he was blameless and upright. He was a man of integrity. He couldn't fold him, couldn't accuse him of anything. No gray areas in his life. If you looked at his Facebook page, Instagram, wasn't nothing there, mate. They couldn't find anything against him. Ouch. Job knew he wasn't perfect. He just wanted to please God. We want to build our personal hedge. God is not expecting perfection. God is looking for a heart that loves God, that wants to please God, that wants to serve God. It's all got to do with the attitude of our heart. It's not the sin, it's what you do with the sin. It's your attitude towards the sin. It's not so much the sin, it's your attitude towards it. Paul says, so we make it our goal to please him. We make it our goal. We want to have a strong personal hedge. Be someone who develops godly character. Um, one of the things I kind of do with people a lot to kind of understand this principle, imagine God is in the middle there and uh, we've got two people. One person is here. And one person is out here. Now, this person here is actually behaviorally closer to God. They're reading their Bible. They're praying. They're doing all the right things. And this person here is, you know, they've got a few issues. They're still working through and so on. Uh, I'm closer to this end than this end here. So, uh, but you can see that this, this person is a little bit closer to God. And if you look at them, you'd say, man, that person's it's doing well. And this person is out here. So it's not a trick question, all right? It's a really basic question. Which person is closer to God? Just quickly turn to the person next to you. and ask, which, which one is closer to God? Just quickly, is it A or B? Come on, quickly, quickly, A. How many, how many people said B? How many people said A? How many people said nothing? Well, it's pretty obvious that this person here is closer to God than this person here. 
true? But listen carefully, it's not just what we do, it's also about the heart attitude. You see, we can have our heart pointing towards God, or we can have our heart pointing in the, in the opposite direction. This person, person A, has their heart pointing this way, and this person has their heart pointing that way. Which person is actually closer to God? This person here is the Pharisee. The Pharisee, they behaviorally were impeccable. You couldn't fault them. As you looked at the outside of them, they had it all together on the outside. They were doing everything right, but their hearts were far from God. Whereas this person here is, the, is Zacchaeus, the tax collector, whom, whom he was as sinful as they came. Tax collectors were, were, were robbing from people and so on. And Jesus comes into the home. Immediately he says, I'm going to give, 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 give people that I've stolen from, they're going to get four times the amount. It's not so much the sin, it's our, it's, it's our heart attitude towards the sin. Are we pointing towards God? Are we pointing away from God? Now what's really powerful What's really powerful is when we are here and pointing towards God. That's powerful. That's a Daniel in Babylon. It's a, it's a Daniel who says, you know what? I, I'm, I'm going to live in a sinful place, but I'm going to please and serve God. That's, that's a powerful person. This person is powerful too, by the way. It's the woman caught in adultery. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. What's really sad is a person that's here and pointing in this direction that's Judas. He's out here and he's pointing. And he doesn't have, he's been with Jesus three years, hasn't got a clue who Jesus is. I, 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 can I encourage, they always have a heart towards the things of God. And even when you see things inside of yourself, just bring them before the presence of God. Notice the Bible says that Job feared God and shunned evil. What does it mean to, be, to fear God? You know, the Bible has a lot to say about the fear of the Lord. In fact, if you read Proverbs, you'll see so many promises attached to the fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Want to be smart? Fear God. You want to prolong your days. It's a fountain of life. Leads to riches and honor. The fear of the Lord leads to riches and honor. Question is, what is the fear of the Lord? As pastors, we often say the fear of the Lord is having respect and honor for God. That's true. That's certainly true, but I'm not sure it gives us the true sense of the meaning of the fear of the Lord. The challenge for us as Christians is the word fear. The word fear plays into the whole concept of God is angry with me and he wants to punish me. And, and, and nothing can be further from the truth. We're, we're, we serve a God that is approachable. We serve a God who loves us, who cares for us. He's, the, he's slow to anger, abounding in love. Just read Psalm 103 should never, ever, ever be scared of God. Once you get a, 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 a revelation of who God is, you know that we can come boldly into the throne of God where we can find mercy and grace in our time of need. It's our Father. It's Abba Father. It's Daddy, Daddy. It's who God is. So what does it mean to fear God? Well, the best, best way to understand it is there are two kinds of fear. There is toxic fear, which leads to a shrinking of our spirit, hiding and being alone. And then there's a healthy fear, which is positive and helps us to experience everything that God has called us to experience. It's a healthy fear. Let me give you an example. We fear the police. When we see a police car, what do we do? Slow down, put the seatbelt on. Even if you're going 60, you start going 55. So, 
Wife's in the car, she, she kids are running around. Right, shush, the, the police car. <laughs> now, why do we do that? It's not just because we respect and honor them. As the police car drives past, guys, let's respect and honor the police car as they're going past. Tan Sean, you know, we just, is that what we do? No, we, we do that. We do do that. Come on, church, we all do that. Because we know that if we do the wrong thing, they can fine us. Many people have had the pain of a fine. One of the members of my life group had 3,000. I won't won't mention. I I can't believe. I've I've had fine. Anyway, let's not go there. Um, That's not toxic fear. It's a healthy fear. Come on, church. Are you listening? It's not a toxic fear. It's actually a healthy fear because it brings order in our society. In nations where there is no fear of authority, you have anarchy, disorder of every kind. Toxic fear, healthy fear. We fear our bosses because we know that they can sack us. So we work really, really hard, especially when they're around. Come on. It's not about honor and respect. It's not, I just respect my boss. No, we're scared of what the boss can do. Fear of the Lord is not just about respecting and honoring God. It is about that. But it's more, it's also fearing the consequences of disobeying God. And that's not a bad fear, that's actually a healthy fear. My greatest concern with the modern church is that we've lost the fear of the Lord. We've turned God into a big teddy bear and we've created our own gospel. And in so doing, we have weakened the church of Jesus Christ. Bible tells the story of Ananias and Sapphira. They sold a property. They bought the proceeds to Peter. No one told them to do that. No one said to them, sell, sell your property and bring it to the... No, no one told them to do it. They out of... Hey, you know what? We love the kingdom. We're going to sell our property. Bring the proceeds to Peter. So that's what they did. But what they'd actually done, sold the property, kept some for themselves, but said to Peter, here's the whole amount. They lied to Peter. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourselves some of the money you received for the land? When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died, and great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Ananias' wife walks in a bit later, and Peter says, was this all the money you got for the property? She says, yeah, that's all the money that we got for the property. Then she drops dead. How many people know there weren't a lot of people at the service the week after on that particular occasion? The Bible says, great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Was it toxic fear? No, it wasn't toxic fear. It was healthy, reverent fear for the holiness of God. If they'd come in and said the truth, they would have been forgiven. It's not about what they did. Or, 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 or if... if if Ananias had since that fire didn't have to, she could have just come in and said, hey, you know what? We sold this property. We started keeping, we, we thought, let's keep some for ourselves. We did the wrong thing. If they had a confess, they would have received grace and mercy in time of need. No problem. It's not a sin. It's not the sin in our lives. It's what we do with it. Listen what the result was. Listen carefully. Acts 5 verse 12. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. And more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Could it be that we're not experiencing the power of God like we should because we've lost the fear of the Lord in the house of God? 
I believe one of the reasons why Job had a powerful hedge is because he feared the Lord and he shunned evil. He turned away from evil. To shun means to desert, to quit, to keep far away. Paul says to the Thessalonians, avoid every appearance of evil. We're living in a time where we want the benefits of faith. We want the protection from evil, the favor of God, but we want to do it our way. A personal hedge is built by cultivating godly character in the fear of the Lord. Personal hedge is number four, quickly, is built by cultivating a heart of forgiveness. It's a powerful thought. Paul says to the Colossians, clothe yourselves with compassion. Forgive just as the Lord has forgiven you. Paul says, for we are not ignorant of the devil's schemes. The context of that scripture is forgiveness, unforgiveness. When when we choose not to forgive, we put a gaping hole in the hedge that says to the enemy, feel free to walk in and out whenever you want. Pastor Joe, is it easy to forgive? Absolutely not. It's only by the grace of God. But we pray, I choose by the grace of God to forgive so-and-so for what it is they did to my life. As you pray that prayer, you experience grace. Why is it that some Christians seem to do really well in life? Everything they, they do in life seems to go well. Is it because of their surname? Intelligence? Is it because they're really spiritual? I don't think so. My experience has been that people that do well is because they've understood the importance of a personal hedge and the power of a personal hedge and they know what it takes to build one and they do the work. Every day they strengthen the hedge. They pull out the weeds, pull out some attitudes that creep in. They go to the nursery and they say, look, I've got this plant that's taken over, killing everything. And they bring some of it to the nursery person. Have you ever done this? I have got this disease. Nursery person looks at it and says, that's pridus narcissus. <laughs> They've always got Latin names for, you know, these plants, haven't they? Give me a break. Just trying to make you look like a deal. Pridus narcissus. Mm. Got anything for it? Yeah, oh yeah. Needs a few drops of humility. And it'll kill it instantly every day they strengthen the hedge they're walking around it any gaps in the hedge they pray, they read the word, they love the house of God they fear God, they fear the Lord they fear the Lord they, 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 they turn away from evil there's no way the enemy's going to come in would you stand with me you know there's a story in the Bible of Nehemiah Nehemiah hears that Jerusalem's walls are down and he grieves he begins to grieve and the first thing he does is he walks around the wall and says what is the condition of this wall he walks around the wall and he starts to do a, a survey or the doors that are broken, the walls that are down. I was thinking about this yesterday. This thought came into my mind. We need to do a walk around our personal hedge 
and say, where, 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 are the, where are the holes? Where are the gaps that need to be dealt with? And some of us are really, really clear what they are. I'm over time. I'm really over time. But I, I, we're going to sing a song in just a moment and we're going to do this respectfully with time. The next service can do what they want. We'll, we'll, we'll wait for them. They, they're a little, little bit late most times anyway. But as I was praying, I just felt I've got to do this. Because what I'm talking about is serious. What I'm, what I'm talking about here is not just, let's well, see how you go. Give it your best shot. What I'm talking about is serious. Personal hedge is powerful. But it's not just going to be built on good intentions. There are some things we need to do. And there are some things we need to stop doing. Some things we need to do. And some things we need to stop doing. And I believe that if we just open our hearts to the Holy Spirit, He will tell us what those two things are. I'm going to sing this, just a chorus, just gently. And, you know, there are, there are, the way this begins is by just taking a step and saying, God, I need, I need to turn back to you. I need to get back to you. I need to get back to you. I need to come back into your, to your presence. I'm going to do a team night in September. There's a scripture that I want to speak on. It says, when God said to the people of Israel, he said, he said, they're about to walk into the promised land. He said, consecrate yourselves because tomorrow I'm going to do great things among you. And I think as a church, there's a time we need to consecrate ourselves because God wants to do great things in our midst. And as I've been speaking today, God has been speaking to some people here today. So what I want you to do, we're going to sing really close. I'm just going to open the altar. I'm not going to pray for everyone, but it's you. It's a statement between you and God that says, you know what, God? I, I have been playing games. I have been treating you as if you're some big teddy bear, but I'm going to stop doing that today. I'm going to start taking your word seriously. I'm going to start getting closer to you. I've, I've, I've been judging the church, but I'm going to start planting myself in the house of God because I know that it's the right thing to do. And I'm going to start to forgive people that have hurt me by the grace of God and for the glory of God. So, hey, we're going to sing this chorus if you need to come. And it's, it's you, between you and God. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. Do it this morning. Take a step. Come forward. Allow God to speak into your life this morning. Just come. Thank you. You are good.